Today's AI-created song is written with ChatGPT version 4 and the alpha version of Suno. Enjoy. Daniel Alvarado, a name to respect. Digital marketing, his perfect aspect. CEO of Right Sharp with finesse. VP at a quits, nothing less. Matt Faust hosts the show with pride. A digital marketing master's ride. Too alert, take the stride. With Matt hey everyone, welcome AI back to Digital Marketing Masters. I'm your host, Matt Rouse. Today I've got Daniel Avarado is my guest. Daniel, how are you doing? I'm doing very good, Matt. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Very excited. Daniel Alvarado is a digital marketing expert, CEO at White Shark Media and VP of Technology at AdClicks. He is responsible for spearheading a team of world-class developers behind AdClicks, an all-in-one sales enablement platform for agencies looking to scale their pay-per-click portfolio. Daniel has over eight years of experience working in the marketing technology industry. Hey, I'm excited too. I also, I was chatting about being on your show, I think it's going to be two or three weeks. I guess it depends what order we record and and edit in. The Marketing Matters show is your podcast. That is correct. We have a very similar name, eh? <laughs> That's right. Well, there's actually two podcasts with the same name as mine. So mine's the only one that's still putting out episodes, though. So it's a little easier. That You probably started earlier, too, right? Because you I mentioned did. to me you've been doing this for five years. <laughs> five years. So impressive. Yeah. And man, I'll tell you what, they're right. If you do something consistently, you that's the easiest way to build an audience is just keep keep doing it. Yep. It's good all good old fashioned hard work, you know what I mean? Right. I heard actually one of the podcasts that I listened to, they were talking about how excited they were because they crossed a hundred thousand downloads for the first time. And it's a really popular podcast. And I was like, damn, we crossed a hundred thousand like a year ago. I mean, I thought I was like way behind everybody. But Apparently, yeah, we're doing pretty good then. Awesome. So, hey, you are the, sorry, you're the, I don't know if your title is technically VP of AdClicks or is it VP of technology? So my title is CEO. Okay. Yeah. So I am the CEO of White Trick Media and AdClicks. So AdClicks is a smaller business unit within the umbrella of White Trick Media. Mm -hmm. And uh, we are a digital marketing agency that started roughly around over 10 years. And we've been in the business of primarily focused on pay-per-click services, right? So like advertising on Google, Microsoft. We recently added SEO services about a couple of years ago when we've been really pushing on that. And as of late, we've also added social advertising and a couple of other things in there to just right. make sure we can be a little bit more of a holistic agency across the board. And then AdClicks on a separate note is, is obviously our, our SaaS offering, if you will, because right. that's a little bit of where, where things are headed to now. And that, that's why we decided that was a good idea. I think that's true. And man, there is change coming to the pay-per-click world, I think, as well. It's going to be interesting to see how things turn out with the kind of AI-infused search engines. And I have some opinions on that, but we can get to that in a bit. So... In the kind of pay-per-click world that you guys work in, what do you think is kind of the, the thing that is the most effective when it comes to pay-per-click right now as to, you know, maybe strategies that people are used to from, you know, a few years ago? I, I think the, the product itself has completely changed. There are so many different things that were best practices you know, three, four years ago that are no, not really best practices today. And, 
And I think AI is, is pretty much behind that in a certain way, but also just in general, technology changing, user behavior changing. For example, we didn't really used to do a lot of voice search before. We do a lot of voice search now. I know I do that. I know a lot of people that have, you know, audio or let's say voice enabled home devices like Alexa, whether that's, you know, Google or something from Apple. So that changes the way that advertising products are created because now they have a lot of different ways in, in which they can find you or where they can get your data, where they can get in front of you and, and advertise too. So speaking of best practices, for example, one, I was actually at a conference in LA just about a month ago and I was invited there with Google. And one of the things that they had is they had a whole session just on how Brock match is now the name of the game. And, you know, for those that follow pay-per-click advertising, Brock match was demonized for a very long time as, as a way to essentially bring in a lot of traffic, but that was essentially junk. You know, it wasn't really relevant. You had to spend a lot of time potentially looking at some of the variants that would come over. Um, and, and that was the thing, like everybody would say, okay, your approach is going to be on some more of the restrictive match types that can get you better targeting. Well, now Google is saying, no, you know what? We can do broad match. We could do it better because it's combining broad match with AI to say, right. we will, we will make the best decision on your behalf to what's a good search query to target to, not only based on the query, which is, you know, contextual, but more so based on what is the user's previous, you know, search histories? What is their location? What is your device? Like they actually said that they use multiple signals, signals that some of their other match types don't actually take into account. So that's actually one of the interesting ones that I think Google is introducing today. And I'm sure some of the other ones, like in this case, Microsoft will probably follow soon because we see some of those rollouts essentially break into that afterwards. So that's yeah, one every of time one, one group does it, everybody else seems to do it within a few yeah. months, right? Regardless of what it is. Yeah, I mean, we used to use back in the day, we used to use the old, we used to call it Skag. It was single keyword. Keyword adverbs, yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, everything would have the, the broad match, the phrase match, and the exact match, and then you would match those exactly in that one specific ad. And, and nowadays you're building ads that, you know, you're building all the pieces of the ads so that, the system could put it together for each user separately and a lot of a lot of different stuff going on especially in the google and bing world have you found that many changes in you know the advertising types outside of kind of google and bing like your msn network and linkedin and that kind of stuff i i think Changes, radical changes, not, not really. I think that because social advertising hasn't been out for as long, it's a little bit more focused and a little bit more predictable in the sense of what you're able to do, what are some of the advertising formats that you have available. So outside of that, I think the, the only thing that I think is changing very much within social is the fact that it's becoming more popular. So there is a lot more people using different social media now. So it's extremely important that you have some sort of a presence, whether that's through a paid presence or organic presence, you know, you call it. And understanding that each social network is going to have a bit of a difference in terms of what is that user doing in that social media network, right? So if I'm on Instagram, 
I have a different buyer mindset than I am going to be if I'm, for example, on LinkedIn or that I would be if I'm on threads now, which is brand new social media platform. So can you advertise on threads yet? I didn't think you could. No, no, you can't. It's coming though. But but it's absolutely coming. It'll be, my guess is less than three months before we can advertise on threads. I I think they're just trying to make sure that they can get to a solid user count before before making that available. But I think they they had a pretty solid user count now, but yeah. That was a that was a big reception for that first week. I can't remember how many millions it was, but it was incredible. Did you create yours? Of course you did. Well, I mean, I created it for the accounts that we already had on Instagram for comments and stuff. I don't know. I'm not myself personally. I'm not a big Instagram user to begin with. So are you a big uh, on the LinkedIn Facebook side? Did you do Twitter back in the day when it wasn't owned by? (laughs) I used to do the Twitter. I still once in a while, you know, I just. I don't really read anything on Twitter anymore, except for like, you know, the 20 people that I like to follow kind of thing. I read the specific people's things and then I leave because I'm like, I don't want to get into the dumpster fire arguments about politics and BS and whatever. Yeah, there's a lot of not so useful content there. Yeah. Yeah. It always reminds me of that quote from Mike Tyson where he's like, people will, you know, disrespect everybody else on the internet because they won't get punched in the mouth for it. Absolutely. It's everybody's hiding behind their anonymity. And, but Hey, I wanted to mention something about threads. And I think that this is okay. This is wild. My own personal conspiracy theory. Okay. Go for it. I love it. I love conspiracy data for this. Right. However, so Reddit and Twitter jacked up the price of using their APIs to get data. And then they also started limiting the amount of posts that users can see, which means if you're building an AI training model and you're trying to get data, you can't just go scrape all the data now for free, right? Right. So I think that Meta and Zuck and and their AI team said, where are we going to get our training data now? And they said, well... What if we just built our own Twitter and then we could get all the data for ourselves for free? And here we are, right? Absolutely. I think that's a good point. I think another good point to be made here in regards to the launch of Thread is I think it was also very timely, you know, with the, with the purchase of Mark, you know, from Elon Musk. So I think obviously that and a lot of the turmoil that started as a result of that, I think they said, they probably were working on it already because you can't put together a social media in two months. But, yeah. you know, as big yeah, of a team as you have. In a thousand developers, that, you already yeah. have the infrastructure. You know, yeah. I think, I mean, maybe not in two months, maybe yeah. in six. Exactly. But that's what I think. I think they started working on it way before this happened. And then, you know, the the purchase happened and all of these scandal happened yeah. with Twitter. And then they said, okay, well, this is a good time. You know, if we, if we were ever going to get a lot of users to move, that this was a good time and of course well, they're they're big on data collection so right. and let's be honest they have their own ai coding assistant tool right like there's no way that they released lambda to everybody else in the world for quote research purposes but they didn't have a better one behind the curtain right of course like nobody releases their best thing for free when they can use it for themselves to get a competitive advantage right absolutely And that's what you're going to see a lot more of now. It's just a lot of free options. Like 
to, to just continue to train the model, continue to get the models to learn. It's all about that now. Right. So everybody's in learning in learning mode right, right now. And that that's across the board with everything. You know, I find interesting when we, you know, referencing the advertising world is that the platforms already have the ad data about what converts and what doesn't. Right. Now you're also trying to use tools who don't have first party data who are saying, well, these are the ads that we saw that we have estimated convert. And then we built them into our own AI system, right? Or they've bought a bunch of data or whatever. So they've got some data, but they don't have Google's data and they don't have Facebook's data and they don't have Microsoft's data. So now if using an AI ad creation tool or AI writing tool to try and design something for a system that is also an AI tool to deliver those ads to people. And like, it just seems like the whole thing is getting, well, I mean, it could go two ways. It, it's almost like it's a hundred percent artificial at this point, right? To almost to the end user with the exception of maybe, you know, spending time on your creatives. But the other side of it, and this is funny because this is something that my mom says all the time. She says that the consumer doesn't have a chance anymore. And basically what she's trying to say is that if you're not really sharp, you're going to buy a bunch of crap you don't need because the system's going to convince you, right? It's going to know how to push the buttons, right? That's so, an interesting take. I will say, though, and I've been buying crap I don't need <laughs> for the longest true. time, yeah. Well, you know, but, there's uh, that there's a study that just came out recently about the gum industry of all things. And what happened was people are not impulse buying at supermarkets anymore because they use self-checkout or they get grocery delivery or they're staring at their phone when they're in line at the checkout. So the gum industry is dying through basically no fault of their own, right? And I think you're going to see a lot of these weird effects. Again, we're going into hypothetical future land here. But I have my phone, it has my personal AI assistant on it, and I'm telling it to go do things for me, then anything that is kind of that impulse purchase, impulse buy that is people are trying to put in place of, you know, whatever that buyer's journey is, am I going to be skipping a bunch of points in the buyer's journey because my AI assistant goes and does the work for me? Like if it goes and searches Google and it looks through and it sees all the ads and it just goes and finds the thing that I need and buys it and pays for it and sends it to me, then I'm not there to impulse buy from that advertisement. That's correct. You have to change though. I mean, I think businesses have to understand that that is coming, that that's already happening in, in essence and say, well, how do we make our buying experience allow that impulse to and allow those add-ons as well? And you'll see that a lot with, this is where predictive AI is also going to come into play. And that's, this is also why I think a lot of brands, especially the brands that have the resources, they have their own apps. So like Nike has their own app, et cetera. You know, you don't really need an app if you have a website, technically speaking, right? But a lot of people have that app in place so that they can customize that purchasing experience. Like, okay, you're buying some shoes. You know, have you thought about socks? Have you thought about this? If you're in, you know, if you're buying food, also suggesting, you know, related, you know, things that you can add into your order. So I think that's what you're going to see so that mm -hmm. sure, once you commit the order, there's nothing else to it. But as you're adding stuff into the order, 
you can see, oh, well, this goes well with this. And if you can make that process a little smoother for the user, then that that's a great way to get some additional upsells through that same purchase as well. So, but I agree a hundred percent with the less physical option. Yeah. Well, and I think on online sales in kind of the, the future of AI world, I think the idea of having kind of options that have information in the options, like checkout questions or that kind of stuff is really going to be the way that you do upselling in the future. So instead of, you know, you go to a, like if I say, okay, go buy me a patio furniture set from the place that makes the best Adirondack chairs. And it goes to the best Adirondack chair rated site, finds me the stuff and sees that it comes in four different types of wood. The website better have the information that the AI can read to tell me that do you want cedar, pine, you know, whatever, right? Rather than exactly. having pick a picture or something like that that maybe is going to be harder for an AI to understand. Or if it's like a SaaS product, you know, maybe it's going to have the information in the pages to say, these are the types of options that come with this product that you need to know before you purchase so that your AI agent could go back to the user and say, did you want this or this? You know, Did you want... You have, to, you have to make AI-friendly content too now. That's right. And I think that's something that we don't know what technically is AI-friendly content right now, right? I mean, you could try to guess at it, but... I think also, I don't want to go on too much of a tangent, but I think there's an idea behind making AI unfriendly content, right? Like the anti-AI content. So you see the problem where they took the link, like the internet linking out of GPT-4 because it was passing paywalls? Correct. So how do you make a paywall that the AI can't get around? That's the kind of content I'm talking about, right? I mean, if they wanted to be smart, they'd just say, opening this site will tell you how to build a gun. And then the AI won't do it. But then you might be fighting with the Google sensors too. I think there's <laughs> going to be both ways. How do I make stuff friendly for AIs? And how do I combat AIs being able to access things they shouldn't be accessing? That's, that's right. And I think it's a, it's such an interesting balance now for engineers as well. They have to work on these kinds of things. and for, for business ownerships as well, in terms of making their decisions, but you are going to see a big push for ethical AI, in my opinion. I think that's what you're going to see. Like Google, for example, during their, the conference I was at, they mentioned how BAR is, they're putting a lot of emphasis on making sure that it's ethical, that it's safe, that they, that it has all of the necessary rule sets to obviously keep it to a certain degree, right? Within, within those limits. So. Because if they wanted to, to be accepted and embraced for everyone, there's still a lot of people that don't want to embrace it because they still have a lot of this, this, like this, this taste that it could, it could go south or that it could yeah. go in a, you know, in, in the wrong way. So it's in their best interest in terms of getting, let's say global adoption that they have these, this safeguards in place. So I think yeah. that's what you're going to see for, for the most part. Well, and then there's this, this idea that. You know, like the BS that people say about like 
the paperclip problem with artificial intelligence, where the AI is told, make as many paperclips as you can, and it kills all of humanity to make paperclips. It's just fucking science. I saw your post about that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's asinine, right? Like, there's no way that something is, can be, quote, super intelligent and also not know the difference between murdering a 7 billion people to make paperclips, whether that's a good idea or not, right? So, but people doing bad things with AIs is 100% already out, right? Yes. I saw a YouTube ad the other day. That was a deep fake of the CBS morning show that also had a deep fake of an Elon Musk stage presentation on it. It was a deep fake and the video clip they went to was another deep fake. Like it was a hundred percent fake. And I can immediately tell I'm like, like this thing's fucking fake for sure. And I mean, I reported it as <laughs> right as being fake, but still. It's already creeping into advertising. It's already in, you know, news media and propaganda and stuff. So I think that because that's happening, you'll really, really, really need to drill down on your messaging and stuff to be clear about your company, your purpose, you know, so that people don't or can't go out and try and, you know, make up fake BS about you. Absolutely. And it's so easy to get confused, like watching this content. Like I've seen pictures that have been faked on different things and it's just, you know, really, really easy to misinterpret or, or to actually take it as, as true when it's not really. So, and that's also why I think, you know, you know, what's funny to me, like, I don't understand. It's like on Instagram, for example, there's so many like fake pages, fake profiles, fake this, fake that, like you have predictive AI, like I'm sure you can figure out through AI that these profiles have nothing to do with it also. So, so, so you could also have like this AI battle where you have the good AI versus like the people that are using AI to create, let's say not the, not anything harmful, but certainly misinformation. So we also have to find a way to make AI work against misinformation, against information bias, against confusion, against these things. And I'm sure that that's absolutely reasonable as well within what it can do. Yeah, I think that's going to be tough on some aspects because, I mean, just look at the AI detectors now. They're all false positives 40% of the time. Like, that's just a coin flip. Barely oh, better than coin flip, right? Images, yeah, right now you can tell the difference. But two generations from now, they will be indistinguishable from photographs, right? Yes especially compared to older photographs. And I think the technology moves so quick, it's going to be really, really tough. Because let's, hypothetically speaking, we bring in regulation, we say everybody's got to tag all their images and stuff with this system, and, and it's got encryption, it's got all the good stuff. But somebody just takes one of the existing unguardrailed foundational models now, and they can data science their way up to a new model in the future that is completely unguarded, right? That they can just do whatever they want with it. And they'll just make their own system that fakes encryption. Like, I don't see how you can get around it. I'm not a software developer. I've coded applications. I have some understanding of it. And I just, I don't see how they can do it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a part of the game, you know. It is. There's always going to be people that are going to try to do malicious things with with everything so 
That being said, I do believe that because there are so many of these giants that are trying to get the right thing done and, and to have the right things in place, I think the overall bag of funding that is available to making AI work the right way is far more than the amount of funding and people yeah. that would be able to do it because I really do believe that that's what you're going to see. Yeah. Well, if you, and I mean, I think you're a bit younger than I am, but you know, the internet was like just something that nerds and scientists used. And then it was like this thing that's going to bring the world together. And then everybody was like, oh, it's going to destroy humanity. And everybody and their dog is going to be building nuclear bombs in their backyard. And none of that happened, right? You know, so a lot of the predictions are, especially on the extreme ends of predictions, really, really, really unlikely that anything like that is going to happen. What's more likely is you're going to have a lot of people who are elderly or not computer fluent getting scammed out of money because it's going to be able, the systems are going to be able to look and sound like, you know, somebody in, in authority. Like I got to, I got to, I told my mom not to check her phone. You know, like I told my mom, it's like, anybody asks you for anything on your phone, you tell me first, you know, and I'll, I'll green light it for you. Yeah. Like keep me in the loop, keep me in the loop, please. Yeah. I like the idea of the safe word. I don't know if you've heard that one, but it's the AI safe word. It's somebody's contacting you and it sounds fishy for some reason. You ask them what the safe word is and your family has a word that everybody knows that you don't post online ever. And that That's way, if they one. don't know the code word or whatever you want to call it, safe word might be kind of a dirty thing on the side. You might want to call it yeah. a code word. But hey, I wanted to get back to advertising one more time. And I think that if somebody is advertising for their company, whether that's pay-per-click ads or they're doing social media advertising, whatever it is, what do you think are the things that kind of best practices that a company can do so that once their potential customer clicks that ad, and they see whatever the landing page is that they go to, how can they make their company seem as legit as possible so that people aren't thinking, oh, this is a scam or it's sus or whatever? I think that's a great question. I think original content will always be king here. And I think one of the things we try to do with both white trip media content as well as with our clients' content is we always try to create a voice for them. And we tried to make sure that the content across the board, it follows that same voice, right? And everybody's going to have a bit of a different tone to, you know, the content that they write to the way that they portray themselves. So if you try to keep it original and consistent across, then you'll be able to accomplish that one part. The second thing to it is to make sure that there is a, a, a bit of a personalization in the content in, in terms of the media. So like images, videos, make sure that you can show the team faces, not generic pictures, you know, not stock photos or anything of that nature. So that there is actual introduction of humans in the content throughout. That's the second portion to that. And of course, I, I think this is very old fashioned, but it's still just as it still works just as great as long as you have, let's say the right source of those is social proof and some sort of a review fashion in some sort of a case study fashion that we still see a lot of great results across the board for customers. So if I could summarize it, 
just make sure you pick a nice original voice for your business and write your copy that way. Second, make sure that your team is included in media and videos, that there is a human component to the way that you're portraying your business. And then third, make sure you have some social proof that is available on you know social media that is available, let's say like Google My Business Reviews, things of that nature, or some sort of a trusted review site like Trustpilot or something of that nature. Yeah. I think those are three kind of key aspects that I think, in my opinion, make it so that you can create a good buyer journey. I'm not sure if I've trained my eye to it, but it is so easy for me now to look at a piece of content and be like, I know where this came from. I it just, right. I, it, it could be like a little bit of an extra suspicious to me now to where maybe at some point I'll, I'll probably point some original content and be like, this was AI written. <laughs> Hopefully that won't be the case, but I don't know if that happens to you now yeah. where you just like, no, you know what? Content. I totally do that. I look at a photo and I'm like, yeah, that's mid journey five or I'm like, I can even tell like which version it is. Sometimes I'm like, that was definitely stable diffusion. That was, you know, when you play with those models every day. It's different than the average person on the street who may not even know that you can generate pictures. Of course. You know, one thing, if I had to add one thing to the trust side, I think the absolute basics sometimes get overlooked, which is like your old, oh, they used to call them nap citations back in the day. Make sure your name is consistent everywhere. Your phone number and address are consistent yep. everywhere. You know, if you have an office or a building, you got a picture of it. You know, like you were saying, have media of real people. Those things you you have got to make sure that you are convincing people that you're real. Because, you know, mark my words, six months from now, everyone's going to think everything is fake. Yeah, I, I, I can agree with that sentiment. And but I think it's a I think it's an interesting future ahead of us, man. I think that AI is just just starting to pick up. I think there's a lot more cool stuff that's going to happen because if you want my opinion, I think that what AI has done so far is become very good at predicting. It's become decent at generating new content, but in the majority of the cases, the content that it generates, it's not entirely helpful just yet and right. in a good chunk of cases. And so outside of this creative like use cases for like video and photos and stuff like that for like a real use case that you're going to use for marketing and not for spoofing. It's not, at least in my experience, become that great just yet. And what I'm very much looking forward to is, is a place or, or a point in time where AI can be used in a very original way that it can allow us to do something we couldn't do years ago. Because right now what it can do is it can allow us to do what we already did faster. Right. And in, in my opinion, in the majority of the scenarios, Right. With some exceptions on prediction, where obviously predicting can help to a lot of different things, like obviously make some better decisions and things like that. But that's what I'd like to see. Like, what is it going to be that one original thing that we couldn't do before? Like with the mobile phones, when that was launched, that opened the door for a lot of things we couldn't do before that we right. were able to do now. So what is that? What is that third shift going to be? I don't think we're there yet. I think yeah. we're getting close, but we're not there. So if I had to make a prediction. I would say that it's going to be somewhere at the crossover between the kind of game engine platforms, like your Unity, Unreal Engine, that kind of thing, mixed with real-time access to predictive text and large language models, and that also mixed with generative for 3D. Those three things together are going to make stuff we haven't even thought of, right? Like 
If you've seen that show, the Black Mirror show that came out recently, I think it was called Jonah's Awful, where they're doing real-time rendering of a fictional video of a real person's life. That's not as far off as people think. So anyway, yeah, I think there's going to be crazy stuff happening. Hopefully not bad. And... I'm a hopeless romantic, man. I know, I, I know. Good. I'm like, I think there's going to be some bad. There's going to be some good and there's going to be some bad. I think there's going to be a lot of crap in the middle, you know. But that's what happens. People test stuff out. They mess around with things. See what happens. See what works. See what doesn't. Daniel, thanks for being on the show. And where can people listen to the Marketing Matters show? They can find us online. I recommend that people find us first on LinkedIn through White Trick Media. They can find us in LinkedIn through AtClicks and then on our website at whitetrickmedia.com and AtClicks. Sounds good. And we'll put a link in the show notes. And uh, it was great talking to you today. Lots of cool AI stuff going on, man. It's going to be a weird, exciting future, but it's uh, quite the time to be alive right now. Thank you so much for having me, Matt. It was amazing. And I appreciate you so much. Daniel Avowado, a name to respect. Digital marketing, his perfect aspect. CEO of Right Sharp with finesse. VP at Equits, nothing less. Matt Faust hosts the show with pride. A digital marketing master's ride. I hope you enjoyed Two Digital Marketing Masters. Check out our back catalog of episodes for more than 200 interviews with top digital marketers, authors, and productivity experts. Stay tuned for the next episode where we talk about more AI tactics and applications you can start using right now, just like me.